you're not sure that you're supposed to be eating this or not. No, it's a, it, it is a little weird. Like, I, I, um, I don't know. It's an unsettling. This can be your food. Good day to you there, friend. It's presumptuous of me to call you friend, but if you're listening, hey, you're a friend of mine. Welcome to This Band Could Be Your Food. I am your host, Nathan Palin. Thanks for joining us today. I'm not sure if you're a long-time listener or new, just a fan of Milk Hotel, but I'm happy to be sharing this episode with you. I really went all out on this one. I went all the way to Asheville, North Carolina to record this episode. That's a long way from Brooklyn, New York. That's where I live. But my good, good buddy, my old friend, Ross Britton, who's been living down there and running this coffee shop named Izzy's Coffee. Maybe I've mentioned it a time or two. It is one of the main sponsors here at This Bank Could Be Your Food, keeping our cups full of coffee and our spirits high without one single pour over. Don't worry, you don't need one. Doesn't matter. Anyways, so I goes out to see my friend Ross and we decide to dig into a couple of his favorite bands. And so this week is the first of those two episodes that we recorded. And it is his favorite band, Neutral Milk Hotel. Now, Ross and I became friends before roommates, obviously. One thing leads into the other. We both worked at this restaurant called The Weary Traveler. And that was the first time I was actually exposed to Neutral Milk Hotel. The bartender, Brian Crastons, was playing some music that I heard. And I was like, this kind of sounds a little bit like Guided by Voices with a completely different singer. But then there's also kind of some flaming lips going on. I'm like, what the heck is this? And Brian tells me, this is Neutral Milk Hotel. And it started my fascination with them. This is like 2000, this is like 2002, something like that. I went out and bought that album and that album basically became one of the foundations of like how I crafted music from there on in. So good stuff. Then my buddy Ross, I go into his truck and he's playing the album in his truck. And I think that his CD player must've been broken because it was the only CD he would ever play. Actually, I don't think it was broken. I think he did it voluntarily. So that that goes to show you how much he likes Neutral Milk Hotel. Any hoots, him and I are going to get into it. But before we get into it, I just want to ask each and every one of you, if you do like this podcast, This Bank of Beer Food, we would be overjoyed if you would take a moment to go to Apple Podcasts and rate the show. Your ratings are what gets this show into the earbuds of other like-minded listeners as yourself. And that's a good thing. It's all us It's us all helping each other, community style, yet anonymous. And if you've done so already, I say thank you kindly. Keep it up. Keep telling your friends. The show must go on, and we need you to make me feel like I'm doing the good work. Okay, it's time. I now take you to a place far away from Brooklyn, New York, as we head down south on a very reasonably priced flight. Thank you, Allegiant Air. Not a sponsor of this bank of beer food, but yet I sing their praises. Let's head, let's head down to Asheville, North Carolina, and the conversation I had with my good buddy Ross about Neutral Milk Hotel. Here we go. Got your number in my wallet. Got your picture in my scrapbook. Oh, yeah. Must be crazy to forget you. As the time slowly fades. Here we are. You got your coffee too? I got my coffee. You, you did a coffee? No. Oh, okay. But they don't know that. What kind of coffee are you drinking? Izzy's coffee. Hey, the best coffee in America. Right here in Asheville, North Carolina. Folks, we're in Asheville, North Carolina right now. Can you believe it? Can you hear the birds chirping? 
They're chirping, believe me. Yeah. I hear them. Yeah, I hear them too. It's like, it's all I can hear. It's all I can think of. <laughs> dang birds. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been spending a couple of days down here in Nashville, North Carolina, having a really good time. Ross has been my host. And um, he was, uh, you know, he's been a good friend of mine for a long time. And uh, we've been hanging out constantly. So it's this is a, this is a different way to uh, start the podcast. Usually somebody comes into my house and then we just start talking about the group. But you and I have been talking about music for nonstop for <laughs> totally. two days. So we're going to have to try to not forget any important details. Yeah. I mean, Nate was really smart. He's like taking notes the whole time. And Yeah. So today uh, we're talking about uh, Neutral Milk Hotel. That was your idea, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. I think that you and I were on the phone one day and just kind of threw it out. Yeah. But for me, like, I, I think I came up with a dish, a dish first, and was like, they would be great for that. Yeah. And you were like, nope, I'm going to save that dish for somebody else. Hmm. And I was like, okay. What dish was it? Gumbo. Gumbo. Yes. Because you were like, nope, gumbo's taken. Did I? Yeah. Huh. I wonder what it... I wonder what I was thinking. Uh, I, I remember who it is. You do? Yep. Okay. We'll save that for later. Yeah. We'll edit out. Well, well <laughs> just tell me. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, so we're going to have to do him soon. Too. And the, but then there's, or like, her. then there's like spicy jambalaya, which would be really good for <laughs> as well. Yeah. But I, I think, I think you have come up with a perfect dish. I think we came up with a good dish here. I think it's great. All right. But. I mean, let's let's ease into this okay. bubble right. bath yep. of, of Nutramilk <laughs> Hotel. Yeah. Dipping toes. Yeah. So uh, we've spent a lot of time trying to find any information about Nutramilk Hotel, which is difficult. Yeah. There's not too much out there. Or, or there's a lot out there, but I don't know how true it is. There's a lot of bad information. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, maybe it's part of this bad information that put Nutramilk Hotel like in the penalty box for so long. Not the penalty, box, the penalty box. The penalty box. Nah, I'm I'm just calling it the penalty box. Oh, okay. For no good reason. It's gotcha. self-imposed. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. They just don't want to do it anymore. And I think that their mystery and mythology kind of caught up with them and then just blew right past them. And they were like, that's just not, <laughs> that's not quite accurate. Yeah. Maybe we should stop doing this. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like when they came out of hibernation, they all of a sudden like had new music and did a bunch of interviews. They're just like, all right, we're going to play. Yeah. For as long as I guess people are buying tickets is what it seemed. Cause it's like they came around and then they came around again. They, they did it for like two years. Well, it, it's always been like Jeff Mangum has been, you know, he, he is. How do you pronounce he, his name? Jeff Mangum. It is. That's correct. Yeah. It's not, it's not Magnum. It's not Magnum. I used to think it was Magnum. No, and before G. Yes. That's the rule. Except after C. And in this case, yeah, there's no sure. C. There's no C. Um, yeah, so he you know, he started on his own. It was his own re recording project um, and then pulled in some other folks that he had met. I think both in Louisiana. Yeah. And, and Denver. Was Barnes from Denver? I can't remember how he came into the picture. The drummer. Yeah, I don't remember either. <laughs> Jeremy Barnes was found in Chicago when Julian Coster and Jeff Mangum were looking for a drummer. Originally born and raised in Albuquerque, in 1995, Jeremy Barnes moved to Chicago to go to school, but he wasn't feeling it. Rumor has it he wrote a letter to Nutramilk Hotel's eventual side guy, Julian Costner, and said his direction in life was just meandering. 
So apparently Jeff and Justin got into a car and headed over to Chicago to say hello. And there you go. But the, he certainly he certainly got Scott, what's his nuts? Spillane. Scott Spillane yeah. was from Denver. <laughs> and no. Scott Spillane actually was a student in Ruston, Louisiana. So he was also hanging out at the radio station, KLPI, which we'll get to soon. I think Denver really only comes into play because that's where Robert Schneider enjoys spending his days. Truth is, Scott, he had a girlfriend who moved to Austin. So he followed her out there. And it was there where Jeff Mangum was visiting some family. Dot, 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 dot. Ah, uh, gotcha. I knew one of them was from Denver that they found in there. He uh, was working at a Gumby's Pizza. Oh, yeah. Gumby, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. Gumby I can't believe you haven't heard of that pizza. It, I, I think that every time I mention Gumby's, now I have a, a, an association of Gumby's because I also worked at Gumby's okay. in, in Madison, Wisconsin for a year. Um, but you always told, I think that's like an old, an old thing. I don't, they weren't making it when I was there. It was, the, the joke was probably over, you know, it was like. Well, you're talking about a Saturday Night Live bit. That, that's what I'm saying. That yeah. aired in like 1983. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, the joke was done by yeah, yeah. Uh, 1997. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, yeah, so it was probably like 93, 94 when I had my first Gumby Damn It. Okay. What was a Gumby Damn It? Just a big pizza. Okay. But it was fun to call, you know, then you had to call in and order a pizza. Yeah. You can still do that today, but it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, they're like just. Why would you want to talk to anybody? Yeah, there's no need. <laughs> so you'd order the gummy damn it. Yeah. And just, I want a gummy damn it. And they'd say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> would you like anything on that? Gummy damn it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Banana just, peppers. Yeah. Banana that was, peppers. That was my favorite. You know, pineapples. Hell. What? It's not this we're podcast. Off right. We're getting, we're getting off subject. Fair enough. Uh, I wonder what band is a pizza with pineapple on it. Oh, Phil Collins. <laughs> You're not giving Phil Collins enough credit. The pizza's really good, but then there's some pineapple. You know, that guy's got some pineapple in his lineup. Yeah, in his catalog. Some, yeah, Susu Studio is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That is a cord and hollowed pineapple. Fair enough. So anyway, so so there you got your you got your Scott guy, and then Jeff is like to woo him. Actually, goes to the pizza restaurant and starts making pizzas like that night that he met him he said i'll help you make pizzas no kidding yeah so and then and then he said doesn't this suck working we should start a band instead (laughs) but i mean this band had been going on for a long time obviously it was just a recording project at first Mm -hmm. and we've already forgotten to talk about the main umbrella which is elephant six yeah which is just as mysterious and blurry and complicated yeah 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 it really what it is is it isn't anything Right. <laughs> is the problem. It's four guys. You got your Bill Doss, rest in peace. You got your Jeff Mangum, your Will Cullen Hart, and Robert Schneider. And so the initial bands are basically Apples and Stereo, which is Robert's band. Uh, Olivia Tremel... Olivia Tremolo... Tremor, Olivia Tremor Control. Olivia Tremor Control. Mm-hmm. They've got a great sound. They're all solid bands. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and they all, they're all kind of like this pop, psychedelic noise thing they all the only thing they all have in common is they instead of like let's say being on the basketball team they all make tapes on their four track recorders or boom boxes for that matter i think it was a lot of like probably dub yeah double decker yeah dual deck yeah, yeah they did a lot of that stuff and then they would just pass the tapes amongst each other for for fun and for humor and they it wasn't for anybody else except for like those four Gotcha. And then it started getting around. People started hearing about it. And then they said, we should call it something. And it came in a dream, I think. Will Will 
Colin Hart, they were just going to call it Elephant Six. And then Robert said, why don't we call it Elephant Six Recording Company? That'll sound more prestigious. <laughs> and so they did. Yeah. And ever since then, everyone's been trying to figure out what the Elephant Six <laughs> Recording Company is. That's what it is. Yeah. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, and it, it comes all from... Uh, Ruston. Louis- Ruston, Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. That's yep. where all these kids are going to school. Well, Jeff grew up there. He did. Yeah. I think they all did. Yes, they all did. The four original members, as well as Scott's Blaine, all grew up there. Until they graduated high school, and Robert Schneider moved to Denver, and the rest of them moved to Athens, Georgia. Carry on. And Robert Schneider's kind of the brains behind the whole operation. He's the one guy who knows how to record bands slightly more professional than everybody else. Uh, I think that his band, Apples and Stereo, is the first one to actually release a 7-inch and sort of paved the way to motivate the rest of the guys in the group to sort of step up to the plate. And meanwhile, Robert was there to help everyone along with recording, including helping Jeff Mangum with his neutral milk tell stuff. So as I said, it comes from Ruston, Louisiana. That is the key part. And I think you guys might have figured that out was as we were talking about possibly gumbo or yeah or jambalaya but we didn't go with that because neutral milk hotel although eventually became a band it was always a singular vision by one guy jeff mangum obviously who made all the first original neutral milk hotel stuff there only is one record with the band which is in right the in the of the sea. so there's got to be a central point whereas like gumbo it's, it's got, there's a whole... You need all those components. Yes. Every, They're all important for each other. Everything, yeah, yeah. That is more of a band. What you have come up with, can, it's a mix and match. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you want to put in there. Yeah. It's still, you're still, at the end of the day, you're having yourself a crawfish boil. That's right. That's the singular name. Yeah. So, Neutral Milk Hotel is a crawfish boil, folks. Here we go. Where do you want to start? Where do you, do you want to, like... Well, I guess you start... Well, let's start with... Uh, where Do you remember the first time you heard Neutra Milk Hotel? <laughs> I do. I I, um, I was in college, and I got really into Vic Chestnut. Mm. Loved that guy. Yeah. And um, found out he was playing at the 40 Watt in Athens, Georgia. So I went down with a friend of mine. Took about two hours to get there. We got to the 40 Watt. There's nobody there. It's like totally just... I think it was... It's in December sometime. I don't know if like all the students were gone because University of Georgia is such a huge school. Yeah. And the 40 Watt is a famous place. Yeah. There's nobody there. <laughs> um, but so, and you know, just kind of hanging out and waiting for this Vic Chestnut to start and this group of ragamuffins get up on the stage. <laughs> and I mean, it was like, what is this? Yeah. It's and, chaos. Um, it's insane. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you have those times in your life when you're seeing something that you're like, I am witnessing history. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. No. <laughs> None of that. Yeah. They were just these people up there making a racket. Yeah. And well, their um, instruments are so unconventional. It, yeah. There's a saw, there's yeah. a big tuba. Yeah. You know, it's just like the drummer's going bananas. Yeah. And Jeff there's Mangum, just a guy screaming. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Mangum has his guitar going <clears throat> through like a distorted amplifier box yeah it doesn't sound like anything <laughs> no, it's just, any guitar you've ever heard yeah. before yeah i mean I, you know i guess it was cool I, I i do remember 
people that were there were really excited. Yeah. And, and some of the people that were there were uh, Kevin Kinney, who's the lead singer of Driving and Crying, oh. and Peter Buck. Really? Yep. Oh, so. So they were. You assume there was some magic going on. Yeah. But they were probably there for Vic Jesta. They they were there for both. You know, it was like. Sure, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was seeing with yeah. Neutral Milk Hotel up there. I didn't realize that they were this big thing. But I do remember him, like, when he ended his set, which was probably half an hour, mm-hmm. you know, they just blow through all of their songs. And he did Two-Headed Boy, and that was the last one. All right. And it's like, that one kind of gets in you. You mm-hmm. remember that one. Yeah. And then, you know, fast forward years later, I'm driving through the streets of Seattle for whatever, you know, going to work or whatever. And it came on like the local radio station, KEXP. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to figure out who this was. So I like pulled over and I'm waiting for the song to end. And then they, you know, yeah. hey, that was Neutral Milk Hotel. All right. And like went out and bought the album. It's like, and nice. just like, I don't, I never felt like, oh, I really missed that whole thing that they were doing. I didn't understand what was going on. I wish I'd paid attention more. Yeah. No, it was like, oh, that was, you know, now I found this cool band and, yeah. And I think I put the CD in in my car and I don't think I took it out for like 8 years. I remember you I remember you telling me that you had to take it out because you were slowly growing insane. Well, there I mean, that's good. like just because the music is so haunting and the lyrics are so psychedelic and just it is. dark and and it, it can change your dreaming patterns. Mm. Um, it can also test a relationship. You know, oh like yeah, friendships like it's like you gotta stop listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> my brother would get in the car and he's like, "Are you serious? This is still in here." Like, yep, don't touch it. Yeah, leave it in there. That's right. So yeah, but yeah, so that was my first time seeing them. Yeah. That's wild yeah. to have that be your first experience with seeing. I, I had that same experience with the Flaming Lips. Yeah, I didn't know who they were and I saw them live, and I'm like, "What is this crap? <laughs> this is terrible." <laughs> Less of a racket than than Neutral uh, Hotel, I'm sure. Debatable. Just as crazy. Debatable. At that time, they were really good noisemakers. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was a different kind of noise, but yeah. But yeah, Neutral Milk Hotel, like <clears throat> they frequently ran into problems with like sound guys not really knowing how to balance them. <laughs> I, I bet. Because they're they're yeah, like how do you balance this super loud drummer against the saw? Yeah, and it, we're not you know folks if you. Whether you know them or you don't, we're talking about like the big bendy saw that you play with a bow that it's like woo 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 sounds like that. Not not that kind of (laughs) yeah, yeah, not dead out in the back screaming at the kids. Sweep this up. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And and you know, going through some of the research for for this podcast, I was like trying to find all these old videos, and they're all like you know camcorder like filmed directly to a VHS tape or whatever. So you yeah. get those lines every once in a while, like yeah. the microwave is on in the house or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Julian, the saw player, and he played a bunch of other things, you can't hear him. Yeah. Like, he doesn't come through at all. Yeah. Yeah. So He's just there with his silly hat. Yeah. And I've, I've, been, I've been trying to find a video, because there's like this, I guess one of the things that, would happen at their shows, you know, they got really crazy, you know, it's kind of this like, kind of a punk thing. Like they're just like, but they're the ones moshing on stage. Like everyone yeah. else is just kind of standing, watching what's just going on. Yeah, yeah. And um, Jeff Mangum would just pick up Julian and just throw him into the drums. Really? Yeah. It's like, and it happened all the time, apparently. And like, <gasps> Julian's just kind of waiting for it, you know, He's yeah. like, kind of, like looking over his shoulder, huh? waiting to get picked up and tossed. Oh my God. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I never got to see him in the glory days. But, I, you know, I the reunion shows were awesome. Mm-hmm. They were every every bit that you wanted. Did you go, you went to both Neutral Milk Hotel reunion and then when Jeff Mangum did that solo tour? Yes. The yeah. first the first time that I saw Jeff Mangum was, was solo. He was playing in New York City a bunch of nights in a row at a theater that I don't remember which one it was. But the music tapes were opening up. Um, and I, I, another Elliot Fincix band. Correct. Yeah. That that's Julian. Yeah. What's his last name? Coster. I didn't know that when I was watching them. I didn't know he was in Nutrimoco Hotel, but he was a very charming guy. One of the best storytellers. <laughs> I wish I could remember his stories, but I just remember being completely engulfed and his natural ability to sort of carry you along. So they open up, and then obviously Jeff comes out and he starts playing, and then all of a sudden the guy from the, the musical tapes comes out and he's playing the saw and it's like, Oh, it's starting to come together. Yeah. And you're starting to feel it. And you know, they play a number of songs together and, and then for the last song, all of a sudden the Scott Spillane guy comes out and you recognize him cause he's got that weird beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the weird beards. Weird beard. <laughs> it's a local Asheville group. <laughs> <laughs> Clean shaven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they, it was like, wow, this is almost Nutrimilk Hotel. And I feel like maybe a week later, you, you sort of call, like texted me, and like, there's rumblings that they're going to get back together. Yeah. And I didn't believe you. I was like, no way. There's no way they're getting Well, because I, so I saw two shows when he did the solo stuff. I went down to um, Augusta, Georgia, and saw him in a church. And that was really cool. Oh, wow. And he was like sitting in his little chair, you know, and... Uh, the huge pipe organ is behind him and like the moon is coming through a stained glass thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is kind of what I want yeah. in a Jeff Mangum show. Like, totally. He's got that, you know, there's that, um, I don't know, the prophet of it all. And like, he's just this mysterious person. He's up there and there's like a cardigan sweater. Yeah. He's like telling people not to record. Like, don't put your phones down. Just be in the moment. Yeah. Okay, man. You start singing and we're all going to sing along because that's how your shows go. And yeah. of course it did. He starts singing and everybody else is singing. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then saw him at a small venue here in town. That, that's when Scott Splane came out and, uh, he, you know, played the French horn on a few things. Hmm. And um, I didn't see Julian anywhere, but it was like, that's when the, I think you just started feeling like, oh, something's going to happen here. Yeah. And there was rumor mill going on. And then... I did hear about a. Um, <clears throat> I knew somebody that used to do the booking at the Orange Peel here in town, mm-hmm. and it sounded like there there was a booking agent that was kind of like putting a feeler out there to see if there was any interest in this band coming back. Wow! And then I mean they would have never played the or- they couldn't fit everybody in the Orange Peel, you know. Yeah. Too many people are going to want to go. It's like, For sure. So, isn't it crazy that a band like that with Virtually no choruses. Yeah. Like the lyrics just read like a book. Yeah. I I feel like I I read something that he, like, they're like, how do you, how do you remember all this stuff? Yeah. And he's like, I, there's a movie in my head and I just kind of sing what's going along in the movie. And Mm -hmm. that's how it all comes out. Yeah. There is no, there's no chorus. No. Just this driving thing and they got some fun melodies so like yeah the lilting horns and yeah really cool yeah so let's let's start let's go back to the beginning a little bit Kay. jeff 
He's grown up in Ruston, Louisiana, and I guess that there's a college radio station there, KLPI. And this is basically how the band members are starting to meet each other. Look, folks, in general, a college radio station is so important for a child with alternative thoughts, interests, loves, outside of your traditional conservative viewpoints. The area of Ruston, Louisiana is a very red area. Lots of conservatives. And sure, that's fine. But when you're interested in art and music and things like that, the college radio station can be the only outlet, especially in those days before the internet, when you were truly isolated. So this radio station was blasting out great music and attracting all of these people to the one thing that could group them together. Alternative music, or college music. College rock, it used to be called, before it was called indie rock. And a few of the Elephant Six members had radio programs. Jeff Mangum was the program director for two years, and in that time, he used it to his advantage to make all these contacts with the outside music world, finding people who set up shows, record labels, cool bands, a lot of really important things that would eventually would help Neutral Milk Hotel break out into a larger market. So I just wanted to stress how important a college radio station can be. Carry on. There was also, I, I think that Jeff had met Robert at school. Robert had just came to school and Jeff met him and said, hey, do you want to play wiffle ball? And he had a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> and Robert thought that Jeff was meant, I'm going to hit you with this bat. <laughs> so I think he said no and ran away. <laughs> and then I think Jeff chased him. <laughs> with the wiffle ball, the bat. Wiffle ball bat. And that's how they met each other. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I guess there was like a cheap trick show that they all went to. And uh, Robert caught one of Rick Nielsen's guitar picks. And it was at this show that Will Cullen Hart met Robert Schneider. So that's where you get the beginning basis of these three. So Jeff knows Robert, Robert meets Will. And then somehow Bill gets into it. I forget how Bill gets into it. Let me just briefly close up the elephant circle before we move back into the Neutral Milk Hotel. Bill Doss actually doesn't live in Ruston, Louisiana. He lives in a neighboring community. Sources tell me that Robert Schneider was hanging out at a guitar store all the time. And one day Bill Doss goes in, maybe for guitar lessons, maybe for his own guitar. Now Bill Doss has a very distinct look. He's a red-haired guy with great big sideburns. Maybe he didn't have those sideburns at the time, but he's a distinguished looking fella. Robert Snyder saw him and said, ooh, look at that guy. I want to be friends with him. So from there, Robert Snyder befriended Bill Doss. That's where that all comes from. Oh, one more tidbit. Back in Ruston High School, Jeff Mangum and William Cullen Hart were on the football team. So, you know, they weren't complete dorks. They basically got along with everybody. Okay, that's the last Elephant Six trivia. Carry back on. Yeah, okay, so that's how Elephant Six... That's how Elephant Six starts. That's how they met, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, Robert Schneider recorded the Neutral Milk Hotel albums. He did, both of them. But uh, the other guys weren't, like the other Elephant Six... Nah, those yeah, those are guys they member. What do we call them? Are they members? Yeah, <laughs> I guess it, so. it is totally a club. Yeah, a club. And, That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, and you you do have to get voted in. Okay, so they did vote some other people in, like uh, of Montreal. They yep. brought into the fold. Yeah, the the Minders, the um, Minders. Elf Power. Yes, that's one of the big ones. Yeah. So they all had their separate projects, and they're like, well, yeah. we all like, yeah, like each other, and let's keep in touch. Totally under this 
recording. Yeah, thing. and they're all yeah. playing in each other's bands at this point. So, oh, yeah. so Milk, which is the original incarnation of Nucha Milk Hotel, they call themselves. He calls himself Milk. Releases an album under that name, and it's called Beauty. I shouldn't say releases an album. It's more like he records a cassette as part of this series of tapes that all the members of Elephant Six are trading with each other. So it's debatable if it was ever meant for any large mass consumption, at least at this point in their game. Carry on. And uh, it's okay. It sounds more like a live performance. It just sounds like Jeff Mangum just playing his songs, just press record. Yeah. And he talks about the songs. Is that this song's about blah, yeah. blah, blah. And you hear like him moving the chair and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, reminds me of Daniel Johnston, actually. Totally. Did a similar thing. Except Daniel Johnston, what he did is he made an album, but his album, instead of like recording the same copy, he would just perform the album over and over. He'd press record, <laughs> pull out his guitar, play, like sing all the songs in the album, and then press stop, put in another tape cassette, pull out his guitar, play all the songs again. How many copies do you want? Yeah. It's going to take me forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This tape cost $250. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually they find out that there's another band called Milk, so he changes it to Neutral Milk Hotel. Random. Just three random words. They liked doing that stuff, though. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, coming up with band names. Olivia Tremor Control. Like, it's just three words. Yeah. Let's just put them. Does it mean? Who knows? Who cares what it means? Like, yeah. people will spend hours trying to figure out, and years trying to figure out what what Neutral Milk Hotel means. Totally. Nothing. Lovely. So yeah. So then he starts Neutral Milk Hotel, and then he makes his next tape, which is called uh, what is it? Motion City Soundtrack. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Nope, sorry. It's called Hype City Soundtrack. Thank you. 1993. Did you know that? No. Some of these songs actually end up in the box set. Okay. Remember that we were watch- we were trying to find YouTube clips about the band. Right. And yeah, there is sort of the beginnings of some of the songs that end up on In the Airplane Over the Sea. Ghost. Ghost. Yep. Yeah. So he puts that on there. And so it, it has some of these other songs. And it's it's starting to head more in the direction of, you know, it's it's the middle point between him just playing a his own songs into a tape cassette live and starting to make more of a production out of it. Starts to record some drums. It's unclear if he does it by himself or if Robert's helping him. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel like, like you said earlier, like Robert Schneider really got him to hone his sound and yes. fine-tune some things. And mm-hmm. Because those recordings are really messy, those first ones. And it's like the levels are all over the place and it's just, we didn't have the equipment. Yeah. And, you know, who knows what Robert Snyder knew at that point. Yeah, well, know? he's starting to put it together. Yeah, he's like, that doesn't sound good. Let me twist some knobs. Yeah. And starts dialing it in. And I think he, didn't he run, like, all of the guitars and vocals through distortion? Like, through the same, like, distortion pedal or something? Could be. And it was just like, whoa. Yeah. All right, so let's get to that. The first recording is... Everything is. Everything is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not... Uh, yeah. It's only four songs, Four right? songs... Two top, two bottom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Well, the original release of Everything Is is technically a two-song, seven-inch record. Shortly after, it was expanded into an EP of four songs. Most of us today know it by the four-song EP version. Da 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 da. And he's singing weird. Yeah. He was trying to sound like Michael Stipe. And finally, one of the band members was like, "You, you gotta stop sounding." It might have been Robert Schneider. Like, man, you sound a lot like like Michael Stipe. It's kind of yeah. Sound like a cover band. So that and that was recorded in Denver at at Pet Sound Studios, Robert Snyder's studio. Yeah. 
The dude loves the Beach Boys. <laughs> you like the Beach Boys? Um, I mean, I can listen to Pet Sounds once. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Early summer. <laughs> it's fine, <laughs> you know? But that's about it for me. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. You? I, I'm starting to like them. Over okay. time, I like them more and more over time. Pet Sounds, I bought Pet Sounds, and I, you know, there's a, there are a number of days I find it appropriate to put on the player. Okay. And the other day, we went out around the pool, and I, I put on just the best of the Beach Boys, and it was a great day. Oh, good. Kokomo? Yeah. No, I always, <laughs> that song is the worst. So awful. But Brian, Brian Wilson has nothing to do with no, that No, I know, I know. So that's, then it shows. That's why yeah. it's, it's acceptable. So yeah, so these these boys are scattered all over the place. Roberts in Denver, so every time they're recording, they all have to go to Denver to record. And meanwhile, Jeff Mangum is sort of just living wherever he wants to. Yeah, he spent some time in New York. Yeah, well, New York is the well before New York, he actually lived in Seattle for three years. Do you know okay. that? I didn't know that. Yeah, he mm-hmm. lived in Seattle and he hated it. He was there during the middle of the grunge pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and he was like, nope. I found a show that they're performing at. He was just talking about his time in Seattle. He described it like being on a Ferris wheel that was on fire. Then it comes unhitched and rolls away for three years. That's, that's how he described living in Seattle. As only Jeff Mangum can. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he describes everything that way. Uh, yeah, like, it's weird. Yeah. So he lives in Seattle. He hates it. Um, I think around this time, this is probably around the time that he's, he records that first EP Everything is. And then decides he wants to make something better. He's really feeling like he wants to do a good record. So he goes back to Robert, and they make On Avery Ireland. I love that album. Yeah. Some some people say that it's their best record. I, I, I could hear that argument. Sure. And especially like when you really only have two full albums to... Yeah, it's one compare. or the other. It's like, yeah. One or the other, yeah. And... I mean, there have been times that everything in the airplane over the sea is my favorite, and other times, you know, it's like... One thing's for sure. Everything is is never your favorite. It just doesn't... No, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it doesn't it's bring It's boring. Up. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I, and I have that same problem with most of his pre-recordings. His songs, for some reason, kind of need that magical Robert Schneider studio magic to make it work. Yeah. To me. This is a band that they, they only have two records they and they don't hardly i mean there's no like big drug story or anything yeah no yeah there's nothing they just stopped yeah they stopped yeah but before they stopped right <laughs> they moved to new york city and they decided this is going to be our home new york city that's where they became a band that was more than just jeff mangum writing songs into a tape cassette all of a sudden everybody else got to put in some input maybe not Obviously not lyrically, but musically, they really had a great thing going on. You have this guy, Jeremy Barnes, on the drums. Yeah. Hell of a drummer. So much fun to watch. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And also a multi-instrumentalist. After he gets done with Nutramilk Hotel, Jeremy Barnes and his wife start their own band. I forget what they're called, but it's, it's like Balkan folk. It's called A Hawk and a Hacksaw. Jeremy Barnes plays accordion on it. His wife, Heather Trost plays the violin. It's music inspired by Eastern European, Turkish, and Balkan traditions. It's good. Check it out. And in fact, Jeremy Barnes is one of the original members of Beirut. He's all over that first record, that first Beirut record. That is so cool. Yeah. That's, that's really wild. 
Then you've got Julian Castell. Coster. Coster. <laughs> Costco. Yeah. Costa. What, what's Bob Costas? Costas. Julian, Julian Costas. Costas. <laughs> you were all over the place. Woo. And he's, uh, he goes on to do, he's, he was actually had a band before, before he was in Nujimik Hotel. So he was going on the road and touring with this band, and I think they almost signed with somebody. Really? Yeah, he had a band called Chocolate USA. <laughs> they used to be called Miss America, but then they got sued legal threats. <laughs> so then they became Chocolate USA. <laughs> Mr. America. Yeah. And they released two albums on Bar None. Oh, so that's a solid label. Yeah, it's legit. He joins them and he brings along with him the banjo and the singing saw and the accordion and all those goofy instruments. Puts it all in a big trunk. Yeah. I imagine yeah. with like leather straps. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Aeropostal stickers on it or something. <laughs> yeah. Either that or he just puts it like in a bag and drags it behind his Vespa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> clank, clank, clank. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Julian's coming. I can hear him. <laughs> He'll be here in about eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, then, then you got Scott Spillane. He's done being a pizza guy and actually wasn't even necessarily a horn player at that time. It seems like somebody had talked him into playing the horn. And he had taken trumpet lessons back in high school, but sort of put it down and then knew when this band was going to happen, he should relearn it. So he relearned it and it surprised everybody because they all thought that they all thought that he like just learned it in a, in a week. He was kind of keeping that one under wraps that he yeah. played before. Yeah. And he half plays like he's been playing for a week. He's not that, I, I think not that's a virtuoso. The, it's it, the beauty of it. Exactly. Like, oh my gosh. Like yes. It just looks like we found all these instruments. And yeah. Let's see what we can do with them. <laughs> totally. Like they were like an Applebee's and just pulled one off the wall and just started yeah. playing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, hey, hey, you're good at that. Absolutely. <laughs> you should do that more. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what can are you, you doing tonight? Can you make it sound yeah. worse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and then that's the weird part about this band, is they're playing these weird, crazy these circus music instruments, you know, stuff that they bought at the toy store. And then they're playing this super sad, depressing music. Yeah. Yeah. And it works so well. Yeah. It, it is that push and pull that's like, makes them sound like nobody else, you know, and then back to the seriousness. So Jeff Mangum, as I said, he, he wants to get into like U.S. history for some reason. And so he walks into a bookstore and he stumbles on the, as we know, the Diary of Anne Frank. Yep. Reads it in two days. And he's crying, and, <laughs> and uh, th one of the reasons why people get so angry at at them, they're just like, "Oh wow, he finally read it," <laughs> <laughs> and, and he acts like he's the first person ever to read it. And I mean, definitely not the first, but he was the first person to like write an entire album about it. And yeah, have it be great. Totally. Although I will say, I'm not convinced that "In the Airplane Over the Sea" is all about Anne Frank. Like, I, I agree. There's no two-headed boys. None. In her apartment? No. No. And that's what is I find so um, aggravating about trying to learn more about this band is that the, the sort of general consensus is that, we're, that, that it's about Anne Frank. And yeah. nobody will kind of like, I, I haven't found anybody that's like, nope, that's not, that's not how it is. Yeah. One song might be. Yeah. Hollow 1945, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know. King of Carrot Flowers, like, <laughs> what is any reference to Anne Frank? What is that, that about? That's the kind of song that you really could go crazy listening to over and over again. If you start to like see these images, yeah, it's pretty, pretty dark. Uh, and it's a really interesting 
juxtaposition because you know you you have the lyric uh, and dad mom would stick a door a fork right into daddy's shoulder and mom would throw the garbage all across yeah. the floor while we would lay and learn what each other's bodies are for. So that that is such an amazing line. Yes, like it 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 really just draws a picture of just these kids that they don't their parents are not there for them anymore. Yeah, and this adolescence and this. Yeah, and there's mystery, and you're like, you've been there. We've all been there. Yeah. Like, where we're just kind of like discovering each other's, yeah, stuff. And, and there's, and that, that sort of theme runs through that whole album. Yes. And there's, there's one line is like, placing fingers through the notches in your spine. You know, like, yeah, it's <laughs> a wild line. Like, <laughs> it's horror movie. Yeah. But then it's, it's like kid. It is. It is. It reads like nightmares. But then there's this sensual sensuality to it, yeah, which I find really, really wild. Like, and, and this idea that you you can't you can't have sensuality without horror, and vice versa. Like, they need to go hand in hand in some way, and Jeff understands that so well. Yeah, and so there always has to be the push and pull and the, you know, it's, yeah. yeah, horrifying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so they, so they have their lineup, they have their weird instruments, they go back to Denver and they he's all into this diary of Anne Frank and outpours this this music. And it it doesn't really sound like once they start their recording, they're super sure of what it's going to sound like, but they still enlist Robert Schneider to put it all together for him. And there was some apprehension with like the elephant six members about recording an album that was more conventionally recorded like as we'd said previously they were just trying to make it sound as bad as possible but they were really trying to make it sound as good as, yeah. as they could and robert didn't really have all of the state-of-the-art equipment he had what he had and he had enough and he he knew how to make it work and he knew how to make things sound rough and rugged and lo-fi but also good yeah 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 made it really work appealing exactly i guess maybe take a note from my guided by voices they were good at that they their lo-fi stuff still yeah was really full of a lot of energy Un unlike early nutrimilk hotel stuff where it just sounds like he recorded it into like his sister's you know toy boombox and it's sort of one-dimensional yeah and that's what yes i will say that that is one like leap that robert schneider made from on Avery Island to in the airplane over the sea, it's layered. Yeah. It's richer. Yes. It's there's there's not just more going on. There's just there's it emotes so much. Yes. And and I don't know if that's just that Jeff Mangum kind of fine-tuned his singing style a little bit and and went more with it. Like he had it. Yeah. You know, it's it's just his sound. Yeah. Well, it was on full display on, in Avery Island. Yeah. But then he kind of there's there's more emotion to it. Mm. it, like there's just more. Yeah, I don't know what I'm. Yeah, for sure. Well, because Robert wanted to make this sound better, and he was using like more traditional techniques, like recording double vocals. That's like a classic thing. Like you hear, there's so many bands that don't want to do it, and then they do it, and it sounds great. Nirvana, Nevermind. Yeah, for instance, you know they tricked him into like doubling his vocals, and it makes it just makes it sound bigger. Like they they were they spent like a month working on this record. Yeah, they were was, really they dedicated. Crafted it. Then all of a sudden, this masterpiece comes out, 
and it gets pretty good press. Do you do you know when they moved down to Athens? Neutral Milk Hotel never moved to Athens. Oh, they didn't? No, they stayed in New York. I think. Well, that's half true. Sometime around 1990 or 91, it seems Jeff Mangum, William Cullen Hart, and Bill Doss all found themselves in Athens, Georgia. And that is where Jeff Mangum met Julian Coster. Julian Coster was born and raised in New York City. And it seems after Chocolate USA had a bad run with Barn on Records, he made his way to Athens, Georgia as well. Julian claims it was a great place to be poor. He described Athens as like a summer camp. Jeff Mangum himself did not stick around Athens, Georgia for very long, ended up in Denver to hang out with Robert Snyder, and apparently they both had telemarketing jobs. Can you imagine Jeff Mangum giving you a call saying, I think that you should really get this insurance. <laughs> I guess it turned out when people had negative reactions to this, Jeff really took it to heart, as obviously he would. Carry on. Jeff wanted to be down in Athens to be closer to Vic Chestnut and the guys from REM, because they, they all live down there. Yeah. But he, he wanted he wanted that proximity to them because he loved what they were doing, and he, he liked the South, sure. what it is, you know, yeah. the mystery of that. Because it kind of goes, like, there's the Faulkner sort of essence of the South, mm. and that literary idea of the mystery of the Southern culture, I think he liked that a lot. Yeah. So yeah, fits with his For sure. thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they put out they put out the record and uh, Pitchfork famously gives them a eight point seven, pretty good review actually. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they still have retroactively gone back and decided to make it like nine point six. I think yeah, I think everybody like Pitchfork loves to do that. Yeah, jerks. And and was it Magnet Magazine? And there were a couple others I think that were like doing their their like millennium issue mm -hmm. you know what the, the top 100 albums of the 1900s or whatever you know sure yeah and like neutral milk hotel was like rising to the top pretty quickly on most yeah. of their lists yeah so retro yeah later yeah. on after yeah and i think even a couple magazines were like this is awful rolling stone for instance yep yeah ben ratliff <laughs> he says jeff mangum is one of those 70s kids touched by brian wilson and lindsey buckingham unfortunately mangum went straight for the advanced course in aura and texture skipping basic training in form and self-editing the lyrics on in the airplane over the sea his second album are fertile heaping onrushing most of the music is scant and drab with a flat-footed rhythms and chord changes strictly out of the beginner's folk songbook. <laughs> so, yeah, not a fan. No. Ultimately, he says, for those not completely sold on its folk charm, Airplane is thin-blooded, wool-gathering stuff. That's really harsh. But he, he, he says some nice things. He says, rock's been crippled by narcissistic irony, and it needs regreening by exactly Mangum's type. Naive transcendentalists who pop out of nowheresville. Uh, but the kids love it. Yeah. They're 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 gathering up all kinds of copies of this record, and it's selling like hotcakes. It's one of uh Merge Records' first big successes. No kidding. Yeah. Merge Records is the the label that they're on. Yeah. Started by Mac and Laura from Superchunk. Basically, they did it so that they could put out their own stuff. <laughs> eh, I did that. And Merge goes on to put out albums by Spoon, Magnetic Fields, and the biggest of all, Arcade Fire. So, pretty good label. Carry on. Ah. But yeah, this is, this is one of the first big ones. And they're right here in North Carolina. 
They are yeah. true enough. Durham, right? Yeah. Chapel Hill. Yeah. Durham, Chapel Hill. Yeah. How appropriate that we're here talking I about mean, it right now. And they're growing. So the band is growing in popularity. More and people are going to see him play. They're opening up for Vic Chestnut. I wonder if that was a whole tour. Did, um, they played the 40 watt a lot. Okay. And um, yeah, because they're right they're there. They're right there. Yeah. And, you know, it might have been like a Tuesday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it was cold. It was really cold. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a place called the Schoolhouse in Brooklyn that a bunch of my friends used to live in. Yeah. And notoriously, Nutramook Hotel played there. Yep. So, you know, they were doing the DIY circuit. Um, but people were really connecting with this record. And it was kind of starting to scare Jeff Mangum. Yeah. Like people would tell him, I was going to kill myself. And then you saved my life Whoa. because of this record. Like people were just, their lives were being changed. And that's a hard act to live up to. If your next album sucks, then what are they going to do? Go kill themselves? Yeah. So all of this was starting to make Jeff Mangum go crazy. And, and everything I've read about him, he was a really nice guy. Yeah. Like just really nice. And you Super can't just put that on somebody. Like that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a common thing that when somebody gets famous, they don't really know what to do with it. I don't think that he think he was going to get that famous. He certainly had aspirations. Yeah. Like Neutral Milk Hotel was, was on the road. And there, there was like a moment where he saw some band that was on whatever magazine. And he said, you know, that could be us. We're good enough to be on there. So he was reaching for the stars. Of course, the album that he did it with, it's a hard act to live up to. Yeah. A hard act to follow. It's a monster of a record. Everything, all the pieces came together. And he, you know, as we said, he used songs from his, his past and all these new songs and this, this shift in, in how he just saw the world. And so that sort of thing can really bring out a lot of new poetry and a lot of creativity and art. And like, that's what it did for him. And it's, it's like every, it's like Twisted Sister. When D. Snyder wrote all, when D. Snyder wrote all of those songs, we're not gonna take it. I want to rock. You know, he was yeah, in the yeah. he was in the slums of New York City, and then all of a sudden he's got to write his follow up record while he's sitting in his cushy pool. Yeah, you can't you can't write rebellious. Rock Where's the inspiration? Then. Yeah, exactly. When you're that comfortable, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened to Jeff. Oh yeah, and not to mention he had a nervous breakdown. Oh okay. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. When was that? I don't know the exact year. Well, like, were they on tour? Was it like in the process of it all? Like, yes, his health was deteriorating. He like mental health. Yes, yeah. mental health and physical health as well. Like he was just getting sick all the time, and and I'm sure one feeds into the other. Yeah. Um. Eventually, after he was sort of gone, he wrote a letter to the world. Like he gave it to somebody. He basically summed down that his reasons for stopping because was, one, his immune system was breaking down. He was getting sick every two months for a year. And finally, spring of 99, he got hepatitis and mono at the same time. Oh. And it turned him into a vomit tornado with yellow eyeballs for two months. And it gave him chronic fatigue for the next two years, which led to number two, spiritual breakdown. Uh, this little nervous breakdown, which lasted about two years, was one of the best things that ever happened because it turned out great in the end, even though it was living hell for a long time. In our society, we are supposed to feel ashamed of ourselves when we break down. Uh, but for him, it was great. It just gave him the opportunity to sort of digest everything that had happened 
with this record and sort of become comfortable with being the person that made such a, how would you describe this record? It's like a, it's like a life changing record. People, yeah, yeah, it's just changed people's lives. I mean, there there are those the, the books we have and like the the canon of American literature: To Kill a Mockingbird and uh, Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Those are like that is the story that I had to tell. Mm-hmm. There's no follow up. There's just that's it. Yeah, and that's sort of what I feel like this album was for him. It's like, uh, that. That's all I got. Yeah. And uh, yeah, enjoy it. Just keep enjoying it. He's suddenly know? no longer interested in, in creating pop music anymore. Yeah. Like, he did put out another record after that, and it was like this weird collage. The bird sounds or sound. the field recordings? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have it going on in the background right now as we record <laughs> this. <laughs> he's, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. it is. So, you hardly notice it. so natural, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, so he's he, and and obviously he's he's probably financially fine. He can go ahead and just do live the life that he wants to live. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that 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 record in particular in the airplane of the sea still sells something like a hundred thousand copies a year or something like that. I mean, it does sells it really? A lot. It continues to. Yeah. Wow. Well, you bought the box set. I got the box set. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it's it a lot. It's a gorgeous looking box. Set. Yeah. Um, but he. Like put this whole thing back together because wasn't he trying to raise money for like a friend who was sick or something like that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. It says here on the interwebs that proceeds from the tour were donated to Children of the Blue Sky, an organization benefiting Mongolian street children. So that's what I heard. I I, I did hear that the like when he kind of first came out of hiding or I mean he's just living his life. He's not yeah. coming. He's just. You know, yeah, but he like grabbed a guitar and went down to the protests in New York City. Yes, for the uh, the one percenters or whatever the uh, Wall the the, the Wall, Wall Street. He kind of came back out and he kind of got down there with his little guitar and played his songs. Yeah, and you know, next and everyone's like, "Oh my yeah. god, he's there!" Yeah, it's like yeah. Boris Gump. Like all of a sudden, has all those people behind him following him. It's yeah, like, that's kind of what that. Yeah. And I think he had a big beard, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, it's like unrecognizable. Sure. But, but you know what? He actually did one more gig between there and the end of Nunchimuk Hotel. He did one gig in New Zealand. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Um, there, there's audio of it on YouTube. Okay. But he kind of talks about what's going on. Um, so he was playing with Laura Carter and Chris Knox and playing mostly electric guitar. So it's it sounds a little... Yeah. It doesn't sound exactly like him. But he mentioned that he, nerv- he had a nervous breakdown. That's why he was out of the spotlight. But he came to appreciate the experience. Uh, he said there were certain things you can't you can't sing your way out of. So that's what he did. Oh. That's what he said. All right. But yeah, but it was just random. Like he knew the guys, he was friends with them. So like, sure, I'll play a show. Yeah. So yeah, he was kind of getting back to his, his sort of roots. Like he didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, I'm sure he still plays every day. Yeah. Maybe. You know, maybe not. Just not in front of people. Yeah. So yeah. He is married to somebody. He is uh, Astra Taylor. And what does she do? She is a documentary filmmaker. Anything we've seen? Uh, she has one called What is Democracy? So that was four years ago. Okay. She's done three films. Oh, Occupy Wall Street. That's what it That's was. That's what it was called. Dang. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, there's there's not much on, on her, but, yeah. you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure they got a great thing going on. Yeah. Two fascinating people, I'm sure. 
Um, you, got, you got a noisy neighborhood. I really do. Did we mention that we're recording this outside? This is the first podcast we've ever recorded outside. Oh, really? Yeah. I like it. It's really it's it is, comfortable. It's super cozy. Yeah. yeah it's, it's nice out here in Asheville, yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. Boy, this Jeff Mangum album is getting weird. He's kind of turning it up there for a little bit. I think that was the, that was the chorus. We'll right just play there. through it. Yeah. That's the way that Jeff would want it. Yeah, just keep going. Yeah, that's right. Game on. Okay. All right, so, so Jeff Mangum has gone crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and so uh, and while he goes crazy, yeah, the internet goes crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the the kind of like Nutramilk Hotel is ending, but the internet is getting bigger. Yes. And yeah, you know, there wasn't a lot on the internet, so they everybody needed something to talk about. Yeah. So they started talking about this band and Jeff. And there's there's a gentleman who's on YouTube, and and he he says that everything's getting big on like 4chan. Like 4chan is getting bigger, and the album was very popular there for some reason. Uh, the cartoon art and the, the the front cover, it's very easy to exploit, you know, because you've got that that lady with a drum, with a drum head. head. Yep. Yeah, or a tambourine head. I'm not sure if we determined exactly what it is. Uh, yeah. But anyways, so it's really easy to put that drum on the head of just about anything you want on any picture. And for some people, that's how they discovered the record. Is like that art became really popular, and they're like, what what is this all about? That's what this guy said. Huh. These these things called memes, as they said. And by the way, it comes from an old postcard. Okay. So, so the memes feed into people actually liking the album. I mean, it's, it wasn't a group that I was hanging out with. Uh, and then in 2012, Mangum Gate happens, and someone discovers they, his yearbook from oh his high school. Gosh. And they discover a picture of his sister named Caroline Mangum, who looks like Anne Frank. Okay. So people start thinking that he has a time machine, went back in time to save her, brought her back, and dressed her up as his sister. And then, okay, here's, and there's more. Then <laughs> um, he marries Astra Taylor, who also looks like both of these other girls. Gosh. Was this guy's name Q? <laughs> I don't know, but he's really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> oh, so that, that's what's going on in the computer world, apparently, at this time. I'm uh, reading about the cover art in an article called Cover Stories. Okay. Neutral Milk Hotel in the Airplane Over the Sea. What do you find it? I found the, the original. Yeah. So it's just, it's a thing, but she doesn't have the drum head. It's of like course. an actual her. And I'm trying to figure out if that is a, an actual postcard you said it was a postcard yeah I, I heard it was a postcard um but it sounds like the chris bellheimer who did artwork for um rem's monster and new adventures in hi-fi was the one who did it he also did whiskey town signals oh yeah singles huh so he did the artwork interesting yeah uh mangum's visual style leaned more towards the old-timey magic semi-circus turn-of-the-century penny arcade kind of imagery yeah. That pretty much nails it. Yeah. It's nails an, the music, yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing that I really appreciate about it is a full package. Like, the album, each song works with each other, every other song. They all fit. They all they all have to. I, I can't just pick a song and just listen to it. You get to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. It's one of the last. Stop. Yeah, it's one of the last real records yeah. out there. And, and then the artwork. 
and the imagery and the the color palette mm-hmm. it all goes with everything in the album it's like it's just perfect yes it's perfect <laughs> okay. oh she likes it too <laughs> all right so in the aftermath did uh any of the other members i mean because we keep talking about jeff but i mean there's four people in the screw did anybody else have anything to say uh yeah it was like they um after they broke up or if they it broke wasn't up. even a breakup it's just like i think they their last like show during that time was like 98 99 and it was a New Year's show, and then that was it. And, um, yeah. you know, it just sort of like, I don't know, just sort of, ha- just kind of, it yeah. just, Well, you know, I mean, it sounds but, like, you know, Jeff was going through something pretty major, so I'm sure everybody else was like, well, okay. Yeah. Take care um, of yourself. But, uh, like, Scott Spillane says, um, let's see, the way I saw it, we were taking a break. It was basically, let's take a break for a while. And then Jeremy said he had a couple of things he wanted to do. Julian said he had a couple of things he wanted to do. I was like, all right, I'm going to go dig some more ditches, nail together some more houses. Give me a call. And the call never came. <laughs> Scott, it also, Scott is the only one that didn't quit Nutri-Milk Hotel. <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone quit? Well, that's kind of the joke is that like, oh. <laughs> everybody else sort of got it. Yeah. But he didn't get it. You know, oh, okay. it's like so he might yeah. he still might release another yeah, he he might do it. Yeah. <laughs> just just him. Yeah. Just him just playing him. his trumpet just solos. Horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so good. Yeah, but no, but he he still had another band though. He had gerbils. He's in the gerbils. Yeah. yeah. He like, is the gerbils. He's the gerbils. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, bought that record. I didn't I didn't care for it. No, and and, and that's where like the there was this like there were a bunch of these members that got weird for the sake of being weird. Like, yeah. Then there was this sort of, it seems like after neutral milk hotel sort of disbanded, dissolved, whatever, some of the members just went to just be weird and try to be weird. And okay. I feel like that's what the gerbils is. It's just a little, it just, it didn't get, it didn't grab me either. Yeah. Just like, it's just weird. Yeah. But I mean, I you know I didn't really sit down and give it an honest listen either. But I mean, the fact that nobody's talking about that record goes to show that. Well, there you have it. Wasn't much there yeah. in the first place. Yeah. So can you do? Yeah. Yeah. But either way, we got a couple of good records out of them. We got a nice reunion. We're probably not going to hear anymore, and that's fine. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's better this way. That's true. I think. Um, I mean, it's annoying to look online and see all these like. I don't know the what what happened to them when all these like just let it be what it is. Yeah, this band did two great albums and they're done. Yep, that's it. Totally. So yeah, and they're great albums and they're they're you know let's keep listening to them. That's it. Totally. So. Yeah. Well, I, I I hardly have to listen to it anymore because I've listened to it so much and yeah. I I even played the whole thing live over right. over COVID. I did a show online where I did the entire album. And in the description for the show, I actually put a link on it. If you want to see what I look like and what I sound like when I'm trying to do my best Jeff Mangum imitation, check it out. Bada boom. But the cool thing is, like, and just like playing the songs, you kind of have to sing it like Jeff. You do. And otherwise it doesn't work. And uh, yeah. There, there's a... So if you can't... There is a video of Fish playing in the airplane over the sea. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they sucked 
all of the life out of that song. <laughs> it is so amazing. Yes. And yeah, Fish yeah. can do some tunes pretty well, like Beatles and Talking Heads, and yep. they even do a Pavement cover that's, that's oh, yeah. pretty good. And they do a lot of um, Neil Diamond. Do they? Yep. Yeah. 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 But this, yeah, this was not... Not good. It, it, it exposed how bad of a song maybe it really is. Who knows? Right. If it's a bad song. I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. No. But you need to have... You need to sing it like Jeff sings it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. All right. Well... We're going to be moving on to making some crawfish here. Yeah. We had them shipped in from Louisiana, and yep. uh, they're a lot. We just checked them; they're live. It's really wild. <laughs> it is wild <laughs> what you can get in the mail these days. Yeah. So we got that. We got a king's cake, and uh, we got ourselves a bunch of sausages and some red potatoes, and we're going to do the whole thing the traditional way. Yep. And um, we'll let you know how it goes, folks. Yeah. All right. I can't wait. Yeah. Stick around. Wait. Okay, everybody. Yeah. We're back, and we are sitting in front of a bunch of crawfish. We this did looks the cr- amazing. Thank you. Yeah, you I, did a great I, job. I, this I, is really wonderful. You know, you, you you eat these when you go to New Orleans. Yeah, like you're checking out music, and there's a there's a place we would go, and they they do the thing. The crawfish boil is messy. It's dirty. And that's kind of why I thought of Nutra Hotel, because it is kind of dirty and messy, and uh, you know you gotta you gotta get your hands in there. You're not sure that you're supposed to be eating this or not. No, it's a, it, it is a little weird. Like I, I um I don't know. It's an unsettling to see them in there. You know. Yeah. But uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, that's good. I'm gonna try my first one. Yeah? Yeah. Mm. What do you think? It is really good. Okay. Really good. All right. So I'm going to tell you how I made this. It's it's relatively easy. I ordered a big hunk, about five pounds of crawfish from this company that will deliver you live crawfish. Isn't that crazy that they'll do that? You know, it's not not for the faint-hearted. But... So they give you that, and they give you the, the, the seasonings. So to prepare, you get yourself a big, giant pot of water. And, like, the biggest pot you got. And you boil that up. As soon as you got yourself some boiling water, you put in the seasoning. And now there is a thing, it's called, like, a like a seafood boil, which looks like it's, like, the color of, like, paprika. I didn't really look what the what's inside of it, but you put in, for this, I'd say, like, half a bag. And then I put in three tablespoons of, like, your Cajun seasoning salt sort of thing. Um, And that'll give you your spice. It gets pretty spicy. After that, after that, you get, after you got that stuff boiling, you put in a bunch of corn on the cobs. We We got some corn on the cobs, cut them in half. A bunch of red potatoes. We got little guys, little red potatoes, some white potatoes. And cut up some andouille sausages, kind of like sideways cuts, so that they've got some nice texture to it. 
boil all that until you're... <laughs> that cut is called cut on the taper. It's called cut on the taper. It's called cut on the taper. I didn't know that. Yep. Wow. You do it with scallions a lot. Oh, yes. Definitely. Cut on the taper. You know, and so, and then you don't call it a julienne cut? No, because a julienne cut is like wavy. Uh, yep. Yeah, or, or really small and long. Like you do a julienne carrot. Yes. And that would be long and thin. So, okay. Anyway, don't let me interrupt you again. No problem. No, yeah. please do. No, this is so good. Because I wanted you, do... you to take a bite. Yeah, when you interrupt, so, I get to eat. So it's great. But uh, you know what? Um, there's one thing that this needs. What's that? And it needs the Tabasco sauce. Mm. And it's really important because um, Tabasco from the McElhenney Company is from Avery Island, Louisiana. Get out of here. It is. You kidding I know. me? No, it's, that's where it's from. You know, for some reason, I thought Avery Island was more like an island off of New York City. No, no. And I live in New York City, <laughs> but that's what I thought. It's not. No, it is. It is Louisiana. And I think that that company, I mean, it's been around forever. Yeah. You know? So where, so, where is Avery Island? I think it's off the coast of New Orleans. Yeah. It's in the Gulf somewhere. Okay. That's Yum. A, not all I know. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. How, how, how are you feeling about the crawfish? What you got? Very good. Well, I, I didn't finish on how to make this. Oh, yeah. So, sorry. So then, yeah, you cook it until the potatoes are done. That's about 20 minutes. Once they're done, throw in your crawfish. I, I did a five pounds of crawfish. So how many pounds of potatoes do we have? Like three pounds? Three pounds of potatoes. Three pounds of potatoes. We've got 12 pieces of corn. Yep. And then to have a good time, we also put in two pounds of shrimp. Shrimp, they call it some places. I call it scrimps because that's funny. <laughs> um, and of course, the andouille sausages. That's about uh, that's about two pounds of andouille sausage. Not quite. I think it was more. Really? Yeah, I think really? those were a, like a pound and a half a piece. Wow, so three pounds of that. sausage. But I mean, you can do whatever you want. Just throw it all in there. It's just a big boiling pot of water and spices. But the key is you want to. Taste that water before you put the rest of your food in there. So after you put in your spices, you taste it. Make sure that it's, you know, a, a good amount of spice and salt. Because whatever that water tastes like, that's what your food is going to taste like. Um, and I would say that maybe it tastes slightly less spicy, but not much. Than you thought it was going to be? Than it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. The water was really spicy, and I was kind of concerned. I do get a little bit of spice. Yeah. And I really like that. Um, yeah. It's but, really good. But then, with a with a crawfish boil like this, you take the pot and you drain all the water out, and then you dump everything over a table that has been gently laid with newspapers. Yeah. And then everybody just picks from that. <laughs> yep. It's a real communal thing. I've got you know we've got people here. Yeah, we got, got the family, family members. And yeah. It's pretty. It's really wonderful. It is a Communal thing. Yes. And. For sure. And these little guys, yeah, they remind me of little tiny Jeff Mangums. In the, in the exact same way that a chicken wing reminded me of Mick Jagger. It's like the same, it's the same sort of thing. You know, and that wasn't my plan when I started yeah. attaching food to people and bands. But the crawfish is a centerpiece. And... You know, there you can decide how much of this little guy you want to eat. How much do you want to? How much do you endeavor? Do you just eat the uh, the tails? I just eat the tails. No, the tails are, of course, entry. And I get the sense that they are just as controversial 
like eating these as Jeff Mangum. Yeah, you know, there's so. some people that are like they are amazing, and other people are like, nope, yeah, not for me. Totally, they're also a lot of work. <laughs> you know, you get a little <laughs> it's bit a of lot food. of work. Yeah. yeah, you get a little bit of food. Mm-hmm. You know, a little piece at a time, which is not very American. Which, yeah, you know, Neutral Milk Hotel doesn't feel very traditionally American either, even though they are. But there's something about like it's not like the the bad part of America. It's like the good part of America. Like when you think of New Orleans and like Southern culture, Southern hospitality, like the Creole yeah. um, mix, like the French mix. You know, like New Orleans yep. is like the only place in America that really feels like a different place. Most places you go in America, it does you're feel like, foreign. I'm in America, but you it's, know, yeah, yeah. You go there, and it's like, what's going on? You can drink on the street. There's music everywhere. The food is different. They have their own language. That's, yeah. that's the only place. And Thought. it's like, how do I? How am I supposed to behave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What am I supposed to do here? Is, am I doing this right? <laughs> the sign said, "Get wasted and fall over drunk in a gutter," but yeah. I don't but, think I'm going to do that. Yeah. So, but whatever you do, go back to my Airbnb. Don't pee in the street. Right. That's they'll, illegal. They'll, they'll take so, you right to jail. So peeing in the street <laughs> and murder are illegal in New Orleans. The only two things. Everything else. Everything else, you're totally game. fine. Have good. Yep. Have, have a great have at time. It. Game on. But, don't be in the street. Or, yeah. <laughs> now me, I love sucking the heads of these little guys. Oh my gosh. Am I going to watch you do this? Heck yes, you are. Am I going to hear you do this? Ready? Listen. Yeah. Oh, so good. Sorry, it's, you look like you were about to gag. It's a little unsettling. I'm yeah. not going to do it on mic next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But they say... It's so nice this is on, like, a podcast. Whatever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the YouTube video will be up later. It's documented. So I, personally, I'm not putting any of this Tabasco sauce on because this is spicy enough for me. Mm. I'm um, liking the Tabasco. You are? Mm-hmm. Nice. I love it. Right on. That is not my sauce of choice. Yeah. Another controversial thing. I know. I know. People are either they're Tabasco people or they're not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm more of a... More of a Louisiana hot sauce crystal? Kind of guy. Yeah, crystal's good. Yeah, yeah that's all like, within the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. The to what is it? To, cho, Chihula. Chihula. That's my favorite, actually. Mm-hmm. Number one. I mean, there's yeah. you can think it's sriracha, but those all like were diverging. This is a vinegar-based habanero pepper sauce. And that's it. That, they've, just, they've been that's what they do. Yeah. They've been doing it for you know, and it's like oh, they've got a Variations on that, but it's all still pretty much the same. No, I particularly like the Chipotle version of that, and, uh, and also the 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 jalapeno version. I also like. I like both of those other versions. Yep, I, I don't like the Chipotle. I'm, I think I'm. Um, I don't care for the Chipotle so much. No, it's it's just like it's too much. It's too overpowering. Really, um, yeah. I I suppose. The simplicity of the Tabasco is its strength. That's why people like it. You're not going to get much in the way of the flavor of the food. You're not going to be eating the flavor of hot sauce. This, you're just adding a little kick. It's just, yep. A little dab will do her. A little dab will do. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah, so this all turned out really well. And you also made some bread, which is really nice. I did. I really um, did. That New York Times cooking app has a great no-need bread recipe. Oh, wow. Mark Bittman. 
super easy. I mean, it takes, you know, 24 hours to do. Yeah, you were working on it yesterday. You got to prepare it. Yeah. But it comes out so good every single time. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. And it's like flour, water, yeast, and salt. Yeah. And then time. Tons of time. A little bit of fretting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I felt it got some stressful. tension. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no needing. Always. No, but there's no needing, but there is there is definitely yeah. marriage counseling. <laughs> so I'm really glad that it all worked out. <laughs> we, we made it, yeah. That's good. It's good to get on the other side of that one. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Now, of course, with the when you put in your, your seafood in this thing, you don't want to cook it too long. But they say the longer that you keep it in the water, the spicier it's going to be. So you really, it only takes like three minutes maybe to cook a, a crawdad and a shrimp. Then after that, turn that water off. And depending on how spicy you want to go, keep your food on there. But you know what they say. It's, it, you can't remove the spice from the bowl. It's not what they say. But it's, it's something like that. You can, you can add to the... But not to the... And then you can't fool me twice. Right. Right. Can't fool me again. You, 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 you can take Bon Jovi out of New Jersey. Yeah. But you can't take New Jersey out of Bon Jovi. True. <laughs> oh, you know what? What's up? I like the craw, like the crawdads better than the shrimp, which I was not expecting. Interesting. Yeah. How you feeling? What do you like? Well, I ate all my crawdads. You did? Did you eat any of your shrimp? I've been eating my shrimp, too. I think everything's really good. I haven't gotten the corn yet, but... Yeah, corn's coming soon. I made a pile of food. <laughs> it's literally a pile yeah. of food. And uh, by the way, it's also Mardi Gras that we're eating this. Happy Fat Tuesday. Happy Fat Tuesday to you. This is great. You know what? Cheers. Cheers to you. We are drinking uh, a local beer from yeah. Asheville Brewing Company called Perfect Day. And I think it has been a perfect day. I think it we has. We saw a parade, and that was super fun. Awesome. Yes. Uh, we got some beads. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Um, we learned that if you walk backwards in the parade, the whole thing is much faster, which is great. I really like that. Yeah, yeah. Because um, parades are they can be long. Yeah, time consuming. Yeah, and this one was like, nope, just fast. You were just fast forward. Yeah, we fast forward. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. We walked so much faster than the people in the parade did. Yeah, the yeah. other way. Yeah, we could have <laughs> caught it a second time if we wanted to. <laughs> just around the block. <laughs> But no, it's been it's been an awesome Fat Tuesday, and I'm looking forward to the king cake. Yeah, I think the kids are looking forward to the king We're cake. Doing a king cake too. Yeah. Do you know what's inside of a king cake? What's Baby inside? Jesus. Oh my gosh. I love you, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh. In my king cake. Oh. You know, yeah. Going. Yeah. No, that was it. That's, that's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as we were about to serve all this food, we played some. We played uh, the Nutrimilk Hotel record in the we airplane did. over the sea, and it was actually perfect. You know what? My sister was dancing. What? I know. I've never seen her dance before. I was like, I was really surprised. Was this the first time that she's heard it? I think this is the first time she's ever heard it. Wow. And she was like, swaying to it. She liked it. Yeah. Which is, you know, it could have gone the other way. Yeah. As we've touched upon. Yeah. It can go either way. Yeah, she she chose the right path. What did you think of the uh, the music, Mead? What did you what, did you like it? Got yeah, double thumbs up and yeah. uh, and, and a mouthful and of a, food. Yeah, the international sign of I'm chewing. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. Everybody wins in that situation. 
All right. Well, let's uh, turn off the microphones and uh, yeah. make slurpy noises. Start eating some food. All right, everybody. Thanks right. for tuning in. We'll see you next time. We, uh, we're we actually going to record another episode tomorrow, aren't we? Fantastic. Or oh, next my. week. Or next week. Isn't that Wink. what we say? Wink. Next week. Yes. See, <laughs> see you next week in two weeks. <laughs> ciao, ciao, everybody. Hey, there you go. There's your Nutri-Milk Hotel crawfish boil talk. It makes sense. It's unnerving eating that food. You just eat it and like your mouth gets hotter and you just go a little crazier. Like if you ate it all day long, you'd go nuts. Just like if you listen to Nutri-Milk Hotel all day long, you'd go a bit, a, a wee bit crazy. Thanks again to Ross for letting me uh, crash at your pad for a few days there. We had a really nice time. As I said, that was talk one of two. We have another episode coming very soon. It's going to be about Tears for Fears. Very timely placed. Tears for Fears has a new record coming out. Actually, it's already out. The Tipping Point. It's pretty good. But the track record that Tears for Fears has, they hardly put out a bad record. I mean, it might be a little too new agey for you. I'll get behind you there. Most Tears for Fears songs take me a minute to really grasp what's going on and see it for what it is. But hey, did you like the music that you heard in between segments? They were all songs from my band Electric Automatic, a record we put out in 2003, an album called Traveling Companion. If you liked what you heard, check that out. It's available for sale on Compact Disc at www.thisbandcouldbeyourfood.com. Check that website out for all of your this band could be your food needs recipes music for purchase pictures da 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 don't forget to rate the show on apple podcasts i put a link right in the bio link in bio until then keep ukraine in your thoughts and prayers man i hope we're not looking at world war three what the heck everyone stay busy keep cooking food listening to music and I'll help you along. My name is Nathan Palin. Thanks again for listening to this band. Could be your food. Cook on a rock out. Ciao, ciao.